Part two, Darla talks about how she hesitated to meet anyone, but Jesus had another plan. I'm telling you, I never ever could even imagine ever getting married again. That was the least thing from my mind. But God in his infinite wisdom knew this path that I was on. He also knew I needed this missing piece to really understand what was going on. Um, so in my life growing up, I had never really had anybody to trust and to depend on because, because of my parents' unhealthiness and all of that and abandonment and just other issues, I've never had anybody to, to rely on and to trust and say they were my, you know, um, they were my anchor, they were my source. No, it's always been God. I've never had extended family because we didn't have that. So I grew up in this whole life just kind of almost being like an orphan in some ways um, and not understanding that. I share that because as I'm, uh, as I'm freed from my last uh, marriage, my third marriage that was abusive, I no longer felt that love starved. I mean, I was so content with God in my life and Christ and the relationship that I created and knew I'd finally found that pure love. And I'm like, I'm good, God, I'm good, you know, and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to help women. This is what we're going to do. And, uh, I ended up booking myself on a trip um, because my, my dad had passed away and we and I sold his condo and I thought, okay, dad, I want a good memory with you. So I think you're going to take me to Italy. So I booked myself on a trip to Italy for 16 days. And I went by myself and joined a group. Well, in this group is my husband, Alan. And he came by, um, with his brother and sister and sister-in-law and for their wedding anniversary to take pictures and so he came at the last minute while well, i had booked my trip a year in advance and meanwhile my husband from pennsylvania who had married once and been divorced he had been um on his own for 22 years never dated and he was scared to death he said god i chose wrong the first time you're gonna have to tell me who the next one is because i'm not doing anything so he waited you know and uh he said the minute he saw me, which was on day two, that we were, I don't remember where we were, but you can see this group of people. He took a picture of me and I am the only one that has this yellow light shining down on me. It is the weirdest, coolest thing in the world. And he said, uh, when that happened, yeah, that's what he said, when that happened, he said, it's like his heart and everything. It was just like, he knew he absolutely loved me. And so I didn't know any of this. But what was interesting about this whole thing is my girlfriends several months before that said, darling, would you ever marry again? I said, I think he'd have to walk on water, which means it'd be Jesus. So I don't think so. They said, yeah, how about you write a, a list for us? And I'm like, why? And they said, oh, just come on, humor us. I said, okay, I'll humor you. So I wrote my impossible man list. <laughs> and at 50 years old, I am when I go to, to Italy, I write down all these things, no prior drug use, no prior porn, no prior alcohol, none, you know, all of these, you know, close to his family, loves his mother, all this stuff, has a good job financially, I can go into his records. <laughs> I mean, it was, just, it was this impossible man list because I'm 50 and I'm thinking, there ain't no man over 50 that is not, you know, that isn't this way. So I'm good, I'm safe, you know. And uh, I knew my mission was here. He'd have to move. He, all this stuff that was just impossible, I thought. So I just tucked that away. But anyway, on that list, one of the first things I wrote was, 
if ever you bring a man to me, God, it has to be someone that I know you sent to me directly. There can be any question and there can be no emotion from me at the start. None. I want to know this is from you first. So I tucked the list away, you know, and I'm in Italy and all's well. Well, you know, in, in a group of 30, you start talking to everybody and you get to know people and, and I'm a talker, as you can tell. So um, we started getting to know each other and talking a little bit more and I knew a little bit of his story and stuff. But the next to the last day, he, um, we, we were talking and I talked about how God shares things with me sometimes to just talk to people in the supermarket or wherever. And I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't remember what I say. It doesn't matter, but it's always a word of encouragement. And I just do what God asked me to do. And he said, God talks to me sometimes in weird ways too. I'm glad I'm not the only one. So we kind of left it like that. And so the next evening, uh, it was the day before we left. He said, I need to speak with you um, and, and just share something with you. I said, okay, let's meet in the lobby. So we're sitting in the lobby. He goes, I don't want to be creepy. <laughs> and I know this probably could freak you out, but he said, he showed me the picture. He said, you know, I told you I haven't dated anybody. And he says, I'm in love with you. I don't know what this means. I don't want to scare you. And I looked at him. I'm sure it was deer in the headlights. And I just said, okay, I don't feel that way. And you know what? You don't know anything about this. And I am not looking. I'm not interested. <laughs> if you want to be my friend, that's fine. But if not, buddy, hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. He's like Winnie the Pooh. So I felt like I chopped him up and threw him out. In the, you know. <laughs> so after I walked away, I felt really, really bad, you know. And, um, but as I was praying about this and saying, Lord, I need to apologize because I didn't need to cut him up quite so bad. Poor guy, here he is. And so yeah. the next day I go and look for him. Well, he comes around the corner by chance we meet. Not ah, this is God's divine appointment. He comes around the corner and I said, I just need to. And he just puts up his hand. He goes, you know, when God told you to do things for people, I said, yeah. He says, well, he has given me very explicit instructions for you. Jesus has told me what to do. And I said, okay. I said, well, let's go by the pool. And he goes, no, it's too private. And I said, okay. So I'm kind of looking around. It's middle afternoon. Everybody's running all over. So I'm thinking, okay. And I don't have any, I'm not safe feelings because I have yes. pretty good radar now. So I said, okay, let's just step into my room. So we stepped in my room, which was very small. And I said, okay. He goes, all you need to do is just sit down. Well, the only place to sit was a bed. So I sat down and immediately he goes in the bathroom and I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting a little weirded out and freaked out. I hear some things. Well, just as I was thinking about, you know, going out the door, he comes around the corner. He has a towel draped over his arm. He has water and he has the ice tub. And he looks up at me and he says, Jesus asked me to wash your feet. Oh, how amazing. And I went. <laughs> that is amazing. It's amazing, but I am freaking out because <laughs> I'm going, oh, no way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you, I don't want to do this again. I just got rid of three. Why do I want to? You know, I'm having this argument with God. And yet here's Alan just meticulously washing my feet. He said, he, he says, I've never done this before, so I'm just going to do, I'm going to be obedient. So he washes my feet. And he blesses me. I don't remember a word he said, but I do remember what God told me because when he was blessing me, God said, 
all your life I prepared you to help women and to um, give them a path and a way to find me. And now you're going to have the love and support you need. And I heard that by the time he was done blessing me, he said, are you okay? I said, yep. He goes, okay. And out the door he ran. And he went back to his room thinking, she's going to call the cops. I'm going to jail in Italy. <laughs> What's going to happen to me? And I sat there just going, what just happened? You know? Wow. What do you do with that? And then I'm thinking, I'm not doing anything with that. Yeah. So, mm, no, God, I'm not going here. So we left Italy. We're, you know, friends and all that. But anyway, God intervened through some other people and photos and some other things going on that we started talking. And, and God had a lot of healing to do as far as um, trust and, you know, what does this look like? We spent a lot of FaceTime together because he lived in Pennsylvania and I lived here. But I tell you, that was a blessing. And I would encourage people not to spend so much physical time with each other, but get on camera and talk to each other where you're not in the physical presence and talk about everything from what laundry detergent you want to if you're a morning person or a night person and how you handle problems and what was your biggest, you know, all of these hurdles. So we spent thousands of hours talking to each other over months. And um, my girlfriends, part of the list was the gauntlet of the girlfriends. I had five girlfriends and their husbands, and they had been with me through all of the stuff. And uh, so they knew the heartache and stuff. And I said, whoever this person is, has got to have a yes from all of them and their husbands. And if there's one no, he's out the door. So the girlfriends said, okay, Alan, that whole time that I knew him, Alan would send me prayer texts every single morning. His mom ended up in the hospital several times, didn't matter. He sent me prayer texts every single morning that he prayed for me and prayed for, you know, everybody else. And, uh, and it was just like, oh my goodness, this is like Jesus. <laughs> this is so cool. So they wanted to make sure he was real. So, <laughs> so he came here and he went through the gauntlet of the girlfriends, he calls it, <laughs> and passed with flying colors. And then I had to, to just, I had to, to either trust God or I had to let it go. And I'm so glad that I worked through that and trusted God because now the difference is he follows Christ. He is, he is a disciple of Christ. So his words, his actions, his attitudes, they all follow Christ. He's continually learning. He's continually growing. He is Christ's follower. And because he is, then he knows how to love me like Christ and just adores me. So, you know, the difference is he's truly what he proclaims to be a Christian man and Christ-like. And when that happens, everything changes. But those, that's the end of the missing piece of the quest for exceptional love, because I had never um, to that point had anybody that, that truly had my back, that I could trust, that was there 24-7 ever. So for the first time in my life at 50, I finally went, now I see what I was missing. And all those people would say, my dad's my rock. My mom's my rock. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I don't have one. You know, Jesus is my rock. But on the flip side, I'm so thankful Jesus put me in that situation and showed me that because I never used people as that being my rock. I was searching for love, but they were never my rock. And so God put that together. He gave Alan what he needed, which was to know 
fully emotionally that that was me that God had picked. And he showed me without emotion. And all at the same time, he brought it together. 